Welcome back to another episode of the FSLSO Palmcast. I'm your host, Jordan Morrow, and today we are joined by two FSLSO employees, Jimmy Pegues and Amy Grozos. Jimmy and Amy, thank you so much for being on today's episode. Jordan, thank you for having us. Hi, thank you so much for having us here today. So I think this is the first episode in the history of the FSLSO Palmcast where we have had two guests, which is exciting for us. So Jimmy, I'm going to start off the questions with you. Can you just start off by telling me a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what you do here at FSLSO? Well, Jordan, I'm a compliance review specialist. And so one of the things I do is I handle the schedules for our agents. You know, every 36 months, a sampling of, of an agent's transactions are reviewed by our office, which are performed by our field analysts. So I put together the schedules for that. And then once the review analyst does the audit, comes back into our office. And then for me to review that audit and see if there's anything else that we need or if I need to send it back to the agent for any corrections or any other documentation we need. And Jimmy, you joined FSLSO at the beginning of this year, but what did you do prior to joining FSLSO? Prior to coming to FSLSO, I was with the state of Florida with the Office of Insurance Regulation. Um, I was in the forms division in the PNC. And then prior to that, I was with the Department of Financial Services uh, in the Division of Consumer Services, where I handled all type of complaints against different insurance companies. And then prior to that, I was a life insurance broker. A lot of insurance experience. We're glad to have you on the team, Jimmy. And Amy, we're also so glad to have you as well. Thanks for joining us for this podcast episode. And can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do here at FSLSO? Thank you, Jordan. I'd be happy to. As you said, my name is Amy Grozos, and I started working with the Florida Surplus Line Service Office in February of this year. Before joining the FSLSO, I worked for about 15 years at the Florida Office of Insurance Regulation and was fortunate to have worked in several different divisions from life and health and managed care to property and casualty and specialty lines. I performed and supervised company licensing, examination, financial analysis, form review, and market conduct. Before I worked with OIR, I worked for several years in the Division of Banking at the Florida Office of Financial Regulation. While there, I was involved in the licensing and regulation of banks, savings banks, and credit unions. My work now with the FSLSO is focused on agent and insurer services, and I assist agents, filers, and companies with their submissions of policies, taxes, assessments, and other compliance requirements. I'm also actively involved in the compilation and reporting of insurer financial information, which one can find updated quarterly and posted to our website. Great. Thank you so much, Amy. And for our listeners, as you can tell, Jimmy and Amy both bring a wealth of experience in the insurance sector to their roles, so we are so excited to be having them. What we've done is Jimmy and Amy have both come up with a couple of different questions that they get frequently in their roles because we want everyone to know um, some answers to some common questions that they get. Jimmy, how do I know if the coverage code should be commercial package? Good question, Jordan. We see this a lot with our compliance reviews that sometimes that people will get the commercial package as far as for coding it confused. And one thing I always say, you know, the listeners, if you go to our website at www.fslso.com and under the filing tab, you'll see the coverage codes. Then you'll click on commercial property. If you go down by, I think it's five lines down, commercial code 1005. 
and it talks about commercial package and it says a commercial lines policy that contains commercial property and one of the following coverage parts, commercial general liability, commercial inland marine, commercial crime, boiler and machinery insurance, commercial automobile insurance and farm coverage to name a few. So if it has one of those and it also has commercial property listed, then that would be a commercial package. But if commercial property is not listed on the policy, but it has those, then you would use one of the, say, the commercial general liability. That would be the coverage code you would use for that policy. Great information, Jimmy. Thank you for that. And like you mentioned, all of this can be found on FSLSO.com. So make sure you go there and check it out to learn more. All right, Amy, next question is for you. Is an agent required to file a quarterly affidavit if no business was transacted during the quarter? Thanks for that question, Jordan. The answer is no. You do not have to file a quarterly affidavit if no business was transacted during the quarter. I do want to note, however, that if any transaction is recorded in SLIP, that will trigger a need to file. For example, if an agent transfers a policy or backs out an endorsement, any transaction will trigger the need to file that affidavit. Thank you so much for that, Amy. Jimmy, how do I know when a policy is a new business versus a renewal? Great question, Jordan. Basically, the best rule of thumb is when you're filing a new business or renewal transactions, if when you select the transaction type on the insurer's classification of the policy on the declaration page. So if ABC Carrier, this is a renewal through them, but say it's first with the agency, it's still going to be a renewal listed because it's the renewal with the carrier. Now, if it was the first time with the carrier, but say a renewal through the agency, then it's going to be a new business transaction. So that's where we got to look at. And sometimes the confusion goes, well, it's new with the agency, but it's a renewal with the carrier. So that's a great rule of thumb there, whatever it is with the carrier. Thank you, Jimmy. And Amy, we frequently receive inquiries about various filing deadlines, and there are a number of deadlines that need to be met. Can you give me a high-level overview of what some of these pertinent deadlines are? happy to give an overview of some of the deadlines. There are numerous deadlines, and I would urge anyone listening to go to our website to confirm what deadline they may be looking at for specific information. But here's a few. Agents are required to file policy information within 30 days from the effective date of the policy transaction on all premium-bearing transactions. Looking to issues and deadlines related to invoicing and billing, on the first business day of each quarter, FSLSO will send invoices for taxes, fees, assessments, and surcharges based on the submissions that have been made during the previous quarter. Those invoices are available in your slip inbox, along with the corresponding billing reports after each billing cycle. Now, all payments must be received on or before the 45th day following the end of the quarter. So, for example, for those due dates that were for first quarter invoices, those invoices were issued in April and those payments were due May 15th. Then for the second quarter, invoices will be issued in July and payments will be due August 14th. Also, I would like to remind everyone that annually agents and insurers are required to file catastrophe information forms. And those forms are located under the reports tab in SLIP. 
And if you would, please be sure that you have those catastrophe information forms filed each year by May 31st. Again, I would urge everyone to go to the website to look in the manuals provided for agents or for insurers, and they can see additional guidance on filing and payment deadlines, as well as other valuable information. Great answer. Thank you for that, Amy. And I like how you gave some examples because a lot of times this information can be a little confusing to some people if it's maybe their first time dealing with FSLSO or if they're just learning the ropes. So I like those examples you gave. And just to reiterate, we can dive much deeper into all of these due dates on FSLSO.com, as Amy mentioned. So great plug there, Amy. Thank you. And Jimmy, I have one last question for you. Does a particular policy type need to be a diligent effort or disclosure form? Jordan, that's a very good question. A great place to be able to find information about diligent effort and disclosure forms is under compliance tab, and you'll see where it says diligent effort, and you'll see where we talk about the disclosure form and the diligent effort matrix. And so just give you a good example, say coverage types, commercial property, but the description say is residential, then you would need both a diligent effort form and the disclosure. If it was a non-residential commercial property, then you would just need the disclosure form only. Also, that we do have a copy of the diligent effort form that can be downloaded and where the agents can fill that out. And just want to talk a little bit about the diligent effort form. Just as a reminder, you do need to get three contacts as far as with the insurers showing on your part, you've done the diligent effort to check, make sure we're listing the insurer, the carrier, and the full name of the person you contacted, the full phone number, and the date of contact, which on the date of contact cannot be after the effective date. It needs to be on or before the effective date. And also, you know, the reason for declination by the insurer. But do need to have three of those. That's one of some of the things we do look at during our compliance review. We want to make sure that it was filled out correctly. And sometimes, you know, we get reviews come back where an agency believes they filled it out. Well, they filled it out, but they just didn't fill it out correctly. And so we'll go look for that. And, you know, we just tell them just to make sure that we're filling out correctly with that correct information. Great information there, Jimmy. This can definitely be a little bit confusing sometimes. So I appreciate you taking the time to explain it to us. And Amy, I have one last question for you as well. Due to market conditions, we are receiving an increasing number of inquiries here at FSLSO directly from consumers seeking information about how to locate a surplus lines agent. Can you give me a little more information on how they can do that? I'd be happy to. Yes, we have recently seen a marked increase in the number of calls we're receiving directly from consumers. And I would assume that agent and agencies in Florida, throughout Florida, have been uh, experiencing the same increase in calls and inquiries. To address this question and to readily provide information to consumers and to agents and to insurers, at the Florida Surplus Line Service Office, we have added a specific button at the center of our homepage, and that button is entitled Looking for Coverage. Consumers, agents, anyone with an interest to know is welcome to go to our website, to the homepage, click on that button, and they will unveil the opportunity to select either by city or by county, by coverage code, what type of surplus lines coverage they're looking for, and our database will return to their search efforts 
information about agents that are in the area selling surplus lines coverage. We try to address and amend our homepage periodically to answer questions that we hear with the greatest frequency, even from consumers. You can also join our FSLSO subscribers list to get the latest information and updates to the Florida Surplus Lines Marketplace. Yeah, looking for coverage is a really useful tool on our website. Make sure that you check out some of the other tools in the Florida Market Data Report section of FSLSO.com because chances are there's probably a feature or functionality that can help you out as well. Jimmy and Amy, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me on this episode of the FSLSO Palmcast. I've really enjoyed getting to know you and a little bit more about your background and what you do here at FSLSO. If our listeners have any questions about the topics that we've covered in today's episode, how can they get in contact with you, Amy? Be happy to answer any emails that they may want to direct my way. And my email address is agrozos, that's G-R-O-S-Z-O-S, at FSLSO.com. And my direct number is 850-205-6683. I understand, too, Jordan, that our contact information is readily available on our website as well. So they're welcome to look me up there. That's absolutely right, Amy. Yeah, if you go to FSLSO.com, you can click on the About tab in the utility navigation, and there will be a drop menu option called Staff Contact Information. You can also find all of that there as well. But, Jimmy, how can our listeners get in touch with you if they have any questions about what you've talked about today? Yeah, call me directly. My direct number is 850 805-6673. And then my email is jpegues, which is the letter J-P-E-G-U-E-S at FSLSO.com. Well, Jimmy and Amy, thank you again so much for taking this time to come on this episode of the FSLSO Palmcast. To our listeners, if you would like to hear more episodes of the FSLSO Palmcast, be sure to check out our website, FSLSO.com, or you can find the podcast on platforms like Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, we'll be there. And if you'd like to stay up to date on the next episode of the podcast and what's going to happen next, be sure to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll talk to you in the next episode.